Coming to you from 8122 Production Studios in the heart of the 607, this is Horror Zone 607. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And remember, you can always join the conversation using hashtag HZ607. Another episode of the show where we talk all things horror and bring you the week's biggest horror movie news. A uh, lot of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, kind of surprised we have as much news as we do. So, uh, you know, another another big week here. And, uh, you know, we've also uh, talked about uh, last week uh, the, the original Psycho. And uh, this week we're going to be carrying on with that series. And we're going to be discussing Psycho 2. Uh, so we're going to have a good conversation about that. But before I can do any of that with you guys out there listening, we've got our favorite co-host in the studio. He will make you feel like a natural woman. He's rich. That's right. I'm always about making people feel like a natural woman, uh, no matter how you identify. I'm, I'm equal yeah. opportunity. I'm very, I'm very equal yeah. opportunity. Uh, but yes, I, I feel like a natural woman right now just talking. Exactly, with you. as you should. I, I treat you very ladylike. Uh, as you I really be, do. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm excited for the show. There's a lot I, we just talked about uh, in the pre-show. Uh, there's a lot of news. I, I dip our, our toes in, in a momentarily. And, of course, week two of five weeks of uh, Psycho. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to this one. Uh, this is the one that I'm looking forward probably the most to, little hint there. Uh, outside, you know, and then, you know, I'm least looking forward to the last week. I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm just saying. I, I, I'm going to be like an uh, open book. The last week I'm least looking forward to. Right. <laughs> yes. But with that being said, though, we have a ton of news, as you pointed out. Let's 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 just jive right in, Mike. So so the first piece of news I have this week is is uh, where I uh, turned up this week. I am actually in New Hampshire. Oh, you're in New Hampshire this week. That's a far I, away from where you New were Hampshire. last week. Yes. Yes. I've traveled across the country uh, far and wide. Uh, you know, I've, I've searched and uh, here I am. I, I am in uh, New Hampshire. In an undisclosed bunker in New Hampshire. Oh, that's awesome! So, uh, good job. So yeah, yeah. I just thought we get that out of the way first here. Let everybody know if anybody's listening in New Hampshire, look for me. I'm there, but not for long. So that's that. Yeah. We got that out of the way. Good, good. But, uh, at least we know where you are. Yeah. So now the real news. Uh, so this one uh, kind of came out of nowhere. Um, you know, we didn't know exactly what to think when they announced that there was going to be a new Scream movie, if it was going to be Scream 5, if it was going to be a complete reboot, a complete remake. We didn't know what to expect. And uh, Nev Campbell recently was interviewed by YouTube's Jake Hamilton and said she's actually been in contact with the new directors. And uh, although she admitted to being initially apprehensive about doing another one without Wes Craven, uh, just because of how much res- you know respect she had for him, and you know didn't want to do anything that would uh, tarnish his name, um, she actually said after speaking with them, she's very interested in coming back. 
Oh, awesome. Uh, I mean, we still don't know a ton about this movie because God knows if they were even looking to uh, have her back. I mean, you know, I, I understand they reached out to her. Uh, that, I mean, it gives us a little more hope since they reached out. At least they're looking for input. That's that's the very least. Uh, right. I, I'm not I, I'm not sure. Like I said, I, I could see it both ways. We talked about it before. I, I was hoping they wouldn't go like the full on remake version. Uh, I was hoping they would either be a continuation, i.e. Scream 5, or if they were going to do something different, how about something in the same world? Just a continuation, if you will. Uh, right. that, that's what I'm, right. I, I'm hoping more for that than I am a remake. Uh, so reaching out to Nev Campbell makes me think that one of the two latter, the two that I'm looking forward to is going to be what's happening here instead of uh, a full on just remake. I think uh, we're either going to get the completion or a continuation of the original series with uh, Sidney Prescott, or we're going to get a world where Sidney Prescott exists, at least. Right, right. Yeah, it's, you know, obviously there's, you know, there's going to be a lot more news to come with this and with everything currently going on in the world. We don't even know, you know, if this will end up panning out. But, um, you know, it, I think it would be really cool you uh, know, I, if they do get her back. Um, go ahead. What's that? No, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, we, we've uh, heard in the past, you know, over and over again, that David Arquette would love to do another one. Um, you know, so I think that he'd be on board, you know, if they can get, uh, get the band back together, so to speak. Um, you know, would they be able to get Courtney Cox back? Yeah. Why not? You know, I think, I think I honestly, right now, uh, let's be honest. And I'm not trying to be like, and this is not me being mean or taken away for anything. They're all not really doing much right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And I'm not just talking about because of time of COVID. I'm talking about like even before this. I mean, Arquette was doing so little that he was he went back to wrestling. Uh, you know, and right. uh, and I mean, and uh, Courtney Cox had that had the TV show on, but I I don't know how, what the standing of that is anymore. I mean, she hasn't really been doing much past that, but really, she doesn't ever need to work again because she's got that friends money that's you know is never ending right. supply. Uh, well, I, I, but I think all of them enjoyed the movies. They did come back, you know, in four. Uh, even though Courtney Cox and David Arquette are no longer together, they worked together at four, which they weren't together when they worked together then. Uh, so you got to, you know, I don't think there's any animosity. I think that group of people really loves being around each other. So I'm assuming if if it's calling for a Scream 5 with the original cast, I believe we'll get the full ensemble. Uh, as far as what you said before with everything happening, I think that, that this movie will happen no matter what. It's just the time when it'll happen because of, you know, obviously, right. uh, I'm sure it's being I'm sure it's being written right now and being redone. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised that if when this is all said and done, they'll be going right into pre-production and casting. You know, and I hope reason, so. And the reason I say that is because Strike While the Iron's Hot, I said it last week on the show, and I think that uh, it stands to be truth. In times where there's, like, tough times, if you will, Horror seems right. to thrive, and we're going to be coming into a very uh, this right now is a very trying time. People want to take their minds off of things, and for whatever reason, whenever it's trying times, horror is at its game. Not to mention, right, right before this, we were in a boom of horror. So, I mean, I think horror is only going to get bigger in the next uh, two to five years. We're going to have we're going to see uh, a huge influx of horror movies, whether they were remakes, whether they're imageries, whether it's original stuff, because we've got, we had all that coming out in the past two years. Uh, I was I was nervous in the past, as you know, and I've told you that I was waiting for the other shoe to drop and I thought it was going to drop sooner. But I think that and I, if you're looking for a silver lining, I think the silver lining in the whole COVID pandemic, murder hornets and, and everything else going on in the world, I, I think that this is, uh, horror is going to get that silver lining because I think 
whereas before it might have started to taper off about now we only have another two years in this really big boom again i think it's going to extend this out another few years so i think about five more years of uh good horror boom uh off the back of the uh, everything going off on now so i mean it sounds right. bad to say but if you want to look for a silver lining and you're a horror fan i think this is going to be it for us like i said the downside is i'm just not like i'm not looking forward to all the pandemic movies <laughs> right right and, uh, you know, just to kind of touch base on, on that, you know, one of the things you just said there, I'm not going to get into it because I didn't even read the article, but uh, earlier today I did read an article that there's already plans for a Murder Hornet horror movie. Oh, why it, wouldn't it? It will be? happen. You had to know that was coming. So, well, I mean, it, it didn't it, take long. It is something made for Hollywood. Let's be honest. Oh yeah, <laughs> like this, yep. like the the world, the events of 2020, 2020 is really a year made for Hollywood. This is like somebody writing a bad movie script. This is like a sci-fi asylum movie, and it's it's yeah. a year. So it's kind of it's it's not surprising anything. You, right now, you could tell me anything, and I wouldn't be surprised by it. Right. Uh, what's I agree. That, what do we got next in the news? So we got some Mike Flanagan news. We like talking about Mike Flanagan here on the show. Is, is uh, Mike Flanagan wearing a flannel shirt, though? I wish that he was wearing a flannel Flanagan shirt. Flanagan and um, flannel. I think he should do that. Yeah. That could be a great reality show. I need, I need to. Maybe when I, his career starts should, to fizzle out. We should reach out to him. I think that all his Instagram photos and stuff, he should always wear flannel. Because then people will equate <laughs> flannel to Flanagan. Flanagan and flannel. Right. Yeah. Or just like Ned the, Flanders. The you could dress like Ned yeah. Flanders, and it'll be Flanders, Flanagan, Flanders, and Fanel. Wow, right? I, I messed that up a little bit. I see bit. where you're going with this. Yeah, I see where you're going with. But anyways, this. Uh, what is the I great Mike Flanagan up to now? So actually, we got news about uh, a couple of things here. Um, as I mentioned, uh, so first and foremost, now I'm not familiar with the uh, with the work. I wish that the professor was with us today, but uh, he's he got a little boo boo in his brain last night. Um, uh, he he reached out to us shortly before showtime, and uh, unfortunately, he. Uh, he couldn't drift into the studio because he's he's drifting around town with a with a bit of a, a headache today from excessive uh, drinking. You could say that. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say he's he's a little hungover. He's, he's had a little a, hungover. He's got a little bit of the hangover today. He's 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 he's, so, he's had, uh, he had a little bit too much of the sauce, if you will. <laughs> he had a little bit too much sauce. He got a little saucy last night. Um, so you know this would be right up his alley because I'm sure he's probably familiar with the he's work. He's probably but, read uh, the book. <laughs> probably, probably. But we know Mike Flanagan's been involved in uh, in more than one Stephen King project uh, in, in the past. Yes, and uh, he's going to be writing and producing a new film adaptation of Stephen King's revival. Uh, he also has an option to direct the film as well if he chooses to. Okay, so I've, I I did a little bit of research. I, I'm going to give you a brief synopsis of the book. I don't I've never read it, so I can't give you. And if I'm a little off, don't crucify me because it's just what I've read on the internet and in preparing. So basically, the revival takes place. It, it, it looks like in the late 1800s, early 1900s. So it's a little older uh, setting, and it is about a minister and his wife going to a new town to start a church. And uh, the weird goings on. Is there an afterlife addiction? It deals with addiction, I guess, as well. Uh, I'm assuming this is something uh, up uh, Stephen King's alley. Of course, as we know, he was uh, he did have an addiction problem. So he, and he has been very public about writing about it. So I'm thinking it's one of the books where he wrote about that as well, because uh, that's what it's saying in the synopsis. Uh, not without going, because the only ones that I could find were super wordy. So I'm just giving you the cliff notes. Uh, is, is is something about the wife and possibly demonic possession? So it's it's a it's a wild ride. It's definitely a Stephen King wild ride. Um, with that being said, this is the kind of book that uh, Mike Flanagan has had success uh, recreating in the past. 
Uh, let's be honest. I right. mean, all the stuff he's done with uh, all the King stuff he's done has been very supernatural esque, if you will. Uh, he didn't. He right. hasn't touched on any of the the other kind of genres from King, and he's done a very good job at, at those. So I'm I'm hopeful that this will also be very good. Uh, also, it's to be noted, the book came out in 2014, so this is a quick turnaround for a Stephen King book to be adapted into a film. Because uh, most right. most King books that get adapted are ones that are older. Let's be honest. Um, so yeah, it's kind of interesting. I, mean, I thought that even Doctor. I thought Dr. Sleep was kind of uh, a quick turnaround, even though that had been out for several years. But yeah, when I saw that this was only a few years old, I was kind of like, oh, well, you think, well, with sleep though, it's a little different because if you think Dr. Sleep is off off the back of being a sequel of the shining. So, I mean, source material is a little older. So, you know, it's, it's got a comfortable feel to it, if you will. Whereas this is a completely different book. This is, this is uh, something that's standing on its own in the Stephen King library. I mean, obviously, you know that uh, everything ties in in the in the Stephen King universe, but this is also it's it's its own thing. You know, it's like taking the stand or whatever and putting it out there. Uh, so I, I think that this is a really cool take. I think this is going to be something right in the wheelhouse of Mike Flanagan. He loves doing that kind of uh, haunted house spirit poltergeist kind of uh, stuff as we've seen him be very successful with it. And this is looking like one of those haunted house possession kind of movie uh, uh, projects, if you will. Right. Yeah, we'll see. Time will tell if it's going to be good, but you know, if Mike Flanagan's involved, I'm interested. Yeah, I'm so. in. I'm 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 in. Uh, you had me at Mike Flanagan. <laughs> but yeah. uh, what else is he involved well, in? He's got he's got his hands in a lot of pots. It looks like right now. Yeah, he does because he's also going to be adapting. And this one I'm not familiar with either. Uh, but he's going to be adapting a novel called The Midnight Club for Netflix. Uh, this is uh, a story that takes place at a place called Rotterdam Home. Uh, it's a hospice for terminally ill teenagers. A group of patients begin to tell scary stories and eventually make a pact where whichever one dies first will contact the others from beyond the grave. Hmm, interesting. Uh, I, I think that uh, that is interesting because if I'm not correct, uh, remember, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Wasn't that wasn't the group of kids there known as the Midnight Club or Midnight Society? It's a midnight society. Uh, I believe, yeah. I, yeah, it's I, a meeting of I the midnight society. I so I mean, right. yeah. So I mean, yeah. This is kind of close to that because when I first read it, I was like, "Wait a minute, is this the source material for that show?" And then it, it's not. Uh, right. Once again, this is a yeah, Flanagan's alley. I mean, this. Yeah. I just said it. I he does very well with these supernatural, haunted house, haunting slash possession, whatever you want to call the genre. He does very well with it. So I mean, this is a, a perfect thing. Netflix. Uh, paying good money out to them you know mike flanagan who has done amazing work for them in the past let's be honest i mean haunting right. hill house is is one of their top selling uh shows yep. so i mean Game it's not really good yeah right there i mean there's a lot but i'm just saying if you think about it like there, there's no gamble here uh this is in his wheelhouse right. uh, he's been proven to do good shit for netflix i'm assuming the show's gonna or is it a show or a movie i missed that part yeah uh it's gonna be a it just says that it's going to be done for Netflix. It doesn't. Okay, it doesn't specify. I didn't come across one way or the other to see. Okay, I, I'm just curious. But either way, no matter what it is, it's in his wheelhouse. I'm sure he's going to. It's going to. Once again, you know me. I'm not into the haunted house spiritual stuff as much, but I like Flanagan's work. He he does a good job. He's one of the guys that doesn't right. rely on the the. My problem in that is, you know, is the tropes, uh, all the uh, tried right. and done tropes that are you're just tired of. And Flanagan doesn't do that. Flanagan is is, is finds a way into his own bubble. And so, uh, but with both these projects, they're right in his wheelhouse. I think they're going to be uh, another killer home runs for Mike Flanagan. So I'm going to be looking forward to these, probably both of these, uh, by 2021, 2022. So I'm, I'm definitely in. Right. Let's hope anyway, it's by then, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I know that you guys are 
feeling the same way I am, but I am ready for normalcy. Yeah, I am ready well, to, to go to the movies again. I'm ready to see all these things that were supposed to be coming out. We're, we might you be know, further than that than we are, so we got to just focus on what we can. i got to keep that. I'm trying to be as right. positive as possible because if I get trapped inside my own head, it's not a good place. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I hear you. So, uh, But moving on from my, my plan again, um, there was another movie that we've been kind of hearing bits and pieces about, but we know that Fetty Alvarez is going to be involved in yet another reboot of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I came across an article earlier today, actually, uh, that kind of discusses a little bit uh, about where this thing is going. Uh, a little bit of, you know, some plot details and, and, and things like that. So um, I'll just kind of read the, the synopsis. This was uh, uh, JoeBlow.com that uh, there was an article on here about it. So um, they, they sent in one of their people, one of their, one of the people did a deep dive and found this information out. So I'm just going to read what he found out. Uh, it says, interestingly, the character is listed as Leatherface, AKA Kenny. So no more Jed, no more Thomas Brown Hewitt. Now his name is going to be Kenny. Uh, there have been a few different interpretations of the killer in the past, and he has been renamed several times in the various origin stories. In this telling, he is 60 years old and characterized as having a big build. He is not a bodybuilder and may even be slightly obese. He also wears church clothes that are too tightly fitted. Leatherface is additionally described as a complex, as complex, excuse me, though he's also listed as a non-speaking role. He primarily expresses himself with guttural noises that range from a howling belly laugh to a pig-like squeal. His time is spent inside watching TV, which is something that triggers his laughter. It's also revealed that he shields his face in an effort to avoid his picture being taken. Uh, from there, it actually kind of goes into the actual plot synopsis. Uh, it says that this is going to be about two sisters currently listed as Melody and Dreama. The older sister, Melody, is a 25-year-old San Francisco moneymaker who drags her younger teenage sister with her to Texas on a business trip out of fear of leaving her alone in the city. On the other hand, Dreama is an amateur photographer and should be noted she is in a wheelchair and is presumably disabled. This film is seemingly setting up a whole new mythology and placing the two sisters, the city girl and the other with special needs, in a rural country, leaving them out of their respective elements, both culturally and physically. End quote. Hmm. Intriguing. I, I don't know. I, I'm still on the fence. I love Fetty Alvarez. I, I'm sure he's going to do a good job, you know, da 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 But, I mean, how many times do we have to go back to the well? <laughs> I know. And change it. Like, every time somebody goes to the well, they change it. Like, and I mean, yeah. not like little changes. It, let's change the name. Let's change this. Let's change that. It's like, it's just, it's getting crazy. Yeah. This, I mean, the last few times it hasn't worked and these things have been so panned that it's ridiculous, especially the, the most recent one that was called Leatherface, not to be confused with Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre three from 1990. Um, so we actually have two movies named Leatherface now, but you know, it's just, I don't know. It kind of sounds like they're just reimagining the original one again. You know, you have somebody that's in a wheelchair, a sister that's in a wheelchair. The original had Franklin, the brother that was in a wheelchair. You know, they, they go to Texas for, for one thing or another, and, you know, they, they come across Leatherface and his family. You know, just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think at this point, if they're going to do another one, 
I don't know. I'd almost rather see a straight up sequel that goes back to the roots of the original one that goes back to the roots of roots of maybe in like the first two or three movies. Um, I think that those, the first three, although Texas Chainsaw Massacre three was kind of a little off kilter. Those were the three best in the entire series, at least in the original series. Um, you know, we, we both discussed how we're big fans of the remake and uh, to a lesser degree, the, the prequel, the one called The Beginning, um, you know, at least it was in it was kind of, you know, closely associated with the remake. Um, I, I wouldn't have been opposed to seeing a sequel to that. No, yeah, me too. Uh, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I just like I said, I I have hope because it's Fetty Alvarez, but that's my only hope at this point, because it's just like we're just just going to the well. I mean, I right. guess I guess it's got to be and, done. You know, Right. And, you know, keep in mind, too, with this one, we're big fans of Fede Alvarez's work as a director. He's not going to be directing this. He's just producing it. So he might just kind of have say in what's going on. You know, it's I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I saw this and at first I was like, oh, great, we got news. And then as I read it, I was kind of like, oh, boy, this is going to be just as big of a bust as the last couple of movies were. Oh, know? I agree. So I don't know. I don't, like I said, I'm not, I, I, I'm not sure, but we'll play that one by ear as it comes. And hopefully when we get more concrete stuff, we can, uh, you know, keep digging in, but yeah, you know, we'll be talking about it. Right. And I just want to say lastly, lastly with this, our good friend, Luke, who's been on the show a few times, he's always referred to the Texas chainsaw massacre series as the choose your own adventure of horror. You know, it's, you know, it's, those movies, you can kind of watch any of them at any time, and you don't really need to have seen one of the previous ones to understand what's going on. They oh, really yeah. are kind of choose-your-own-adventure. It's it's kind of become a mess, so I don't know. Does it really hurt the, the legacy of the series? Not really. So, no, I agree with you. We'll see. I definitely uh, so agree with you. Thing, right. So next up, uh, we have a very special birthday today. Uh, today, when we're recording it, it uh, today is Saturday, May 9th. It's going to be a few days before the show hits, but we're actually direct. We're 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 uh, we're, we're doing the show uh, on Saturday, May 9th, and uh, it's a very very special birthday today. It's the 40th birthday for a very good friend of ours, and that friend is the Friday the 13th. It came out 40 years ago today. Happy birthday, Friday the 13th! Absolutely, 40 years ago, and uh, still living strong. As a matter of fact, last week, of course, we talked about the steel box set coming out for the 40th anniversary that you can pick up here very soon. I uh, did get pushed back a little bit, unfortunately, due to uh, <clears throat> circumstances. Uh, but uh, yeah, we—it's a great uh, movie. Uh, we would not have the slasher element without this movie. Um, obviously, Halloween was before it, but uh, Friday the 13th took it to the level that it uh, needed to go to grow and succeed, and it's it's where we're at today. Uh, all the way even until, you know, talking about Five Weeks of Psycho. If uh, we, we, you know, Psycho was a great movie. It was a legendary film, as we talked about last week, but uh, does it have the staying power if we don't have Halloween in uh, uh, Friday the 13th? Because uh, it's the granddaddy to the slasher film. So without the slasher genre coming in and really making something like that popular, maybe new eyes wouldn't be turned on to that old product, you know, and that's that's sad, but that happens a lot in entertainment, and especially movies. So I, I, I'm really thinking that uh, one of the pivotal roles, one of the pivotal movies of all time is really 
uh, Friday the 13th in 1980. Without that movie, I, I don't even know. I, I don't know where horror is as a whole. Because think about it. We would have lost uh-huh. We would have lost everything. Uh, without yeah. Really, without Friday the 13th, you don't end up with the whole slasher movement in the 80s, which created the golden era of horror. You don't end up – There's no. I, I don't believe without uh, Friday the 13th you have a Freddy Krueger. There's no Fred, Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't believe that you know a lot of the other uh, date ones, if you will, because as much as we love Halloween and Halloween's a great movie, if you're putting the two movies next to each other, Halloween is the better movie as far as as uh, as far as how it's shot and everything. But that movie isn't really the true slasher. It might be the father to the slasher movies, but it's not a true slasher film. As you've pointed out in the past, right. it's more of a thriller with stalking. Uh, yes, there's kills. I get it, you know, but that's not the main focus. The main focus is him stalking his prey, and it's very creepy uh without that you know you, you the slasher film though is just killing and just you know it, it, yeah there's stalking involved i get it but at the same time it's more focused on the death and the body tolls and without friday the 13th we don't get any of the, those other ones we talked about april fool's day a few weeks ago you don't have that movie because that movie's definitely inspired you don't have things like sleepaway right. camp you don't have you know you can go on and on i could sit here and listen all day so I, it'd be a different world to live in there'd be no scream we were talking about scream earlier Scream doesn't exist in a world where yeah. there's no slashers. Just saying. Because <laughs> yeah, what, what rules of horror you know, movies? What, what rules of horror movies would there be without Friday the Thirteenth? All the rules in Scream came pretty much from Friday the Thirteenth. I agree. Agree, hundred percent. You know, it's 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 one of the greats. It's one of the best. And uh, I don't know about you. I'm gonna I'm gonna bake a cake later. Put some candles on it. Sing Happy Birthday. And then I'm, cut it I'm with a machete. Got to cut it with a machete. Got uh, to cut it with a machete. Got to have all of my friends here, so it'll be uh, it'll be me, yourself, and, and, and you, and that's it. And that's and, about unfortunately, it. Unfortunately, unfortunately, so. you know what? We can if it makes you feel better, we can zoom. We'll all yeah, we we'll zoom. We'll, we'll get, get everybody <laughs> zoom, and we'll have a birthday party. We'll sing Happy Birthday. Unfortunately, we can't share the cake because only one of us has the cake at their house. Yeah. So you just you might as well just and get a small I'll, cake. Just get a small cake. Right, and of course I'll have to ruin the party by you know naturally taking my pants off which you know i usually do in the studio wait, hold on you know when we record wait, wait a minute wait a minute there's you mean you mean people use zoom with pants on i, I thought so, that most people who, did. nobody hold on nobody told me you're supposed to wear pants while on zoom oh so you don't wear them either no okay. no I, i'm not alone in i this. also don't wear them I'm on skype and currently I'm Skyping with you, so I, I'm pantsless. I might be, I'm, I'm oh. in studio, I'm not, I'm, I'm not at the A122 production studio because as you know, you know, COVID, but we are in Studio C, the makeshift bunker studio. And uh, yeah, I, I'm in, uh, right. I'm in, I'm in, bo- I, I'm in just my box and draws. I do have a hoodie on. It's a little chilly today here in the Northeast. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's May 9th and we got snow. In fact, it's actually, uh, it's snowing out as we speak, yes, believe yes, it or not. Yes, so, I know. The, yeah. the sun was out and it was snowing well, the- even. It's kind of funny. I believe I saw it's the coldest that it's been since 1978, which is the year I was born. Well, so at least uh, it's been a long time. At least the heat works in the makeshift bunker studio. So, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, here in New Hampshire, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's crazy. Thank God I have heat down here. So, you know, what would I do without it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I just want to update something too that we were talking about before. You think I would have caught this? The actual headline says this: the the Flanagan uh, series, The Midnight Club. It, it is going to be a series oh, on okay. Netflix. So I just wanted to reiterate that. It says right in the title of the article that I found it in that he's adapting this as a series for Netflix. I wish so, I, uh, I wish you weren't on the side. I think I paid attention. I wish you weren't on the iPad so I could play the sound because that that's <laughs> what you get. It stinks. It stinks. 
Well, no, stinks. it wouldn't be it stinks. It, it's, it's, you fail. You, gotta, you, you might even gotten the fail horn. Ba-dum, ba-dum, and that might be it. See, I'm doing it myself. I got to do all the extra That's work fine. now because you're not in studio. I deserve that. I deserve that. So it's all good, though. Uh, so I got some more uh, uh, exciting news as far as I'm concerned. So I've mentioned a couple of times on the show, um, back towards the, uh, the end of the year last year, um, there was a, a, a book that came out called Taking Shape, uh, Developing Halloween from Script to Screen. And it was basically all interviews uh, from sometimes uh, people that you haven't really uh, heard from in the making of the different Halloween movies, all of the Halloween movies, including the Rob Zombie ones. And uh, it's a really good book. I started reading it. I haven't finished it, but it's, it's really good. And uh, I, I urge everybody that's a fan of the Halloween series to pick it up. It's excellent. Well, they're already working on a sequel. There's going to be a new book coming out called Taking Shape 2. And uh, it may be out as early as this summer, uh, but they are expecting it out this summer or this fall. And this one is going to be exploring all of the Halloween sequels that we never got. So we know that there's been a lot of talk of those over the years, different ones that were supposed to happen that didn't come to be. Uh, you know, once again, these guys did an excellent job with their first one. I'm excited to hear about this. Awesome. I, I can't wait for it. I, I hope uh, I talked about it after I came back from Scarecon talking to uh, uh, to Doug Bradley. I hope they put that story in there about how they were yeah. going to do uh, Halloween versus Hellraiser. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I, that'll I, be I in talked there. about it, I talked about it here on the podcast, and it was going to be uh, written by Carpenter and directed by uh, no, it was going to be written by Clive Barker and directed by Carpenter. I said it backwards. Uh, either way, it would have worked just fine. <laughs> but yeah, that was a, the original plan. So I hope that's in there in a little more detail because that was one of those holy uh, holy shit moments. I'll even drop the s bomb on it uh, when I was at right. Scaricon sitting next to him and he said that, and the whole room went what. <laughs> So right. uh, I'm assuming that'll be there and plus many, many more, hopefully. Yeah, the only thing that they specifically mentioned was the the one that Quentin Tarantino was supposed to be involved in, but um you know, which I, I'm glad that didn't happen personally. I'm not I'm this might be blasphemous, but I'm not a fan of Quentin Tarantino's work, period. Um uh, so I'm kinda glad that, that didn't happen. We all know how I feel about Halloween twenty eighteen and something tells me if that movie had happened I would have felt about the same way. But um but that, that's the one thing that they did mention would be in there. So, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm kind of, you know, interested to hear all of the details, all the juicy details of the Halloween films that, that did not come to be. Right on. Um, next up, now last week I know that we mentioned uh, that The Last of Us Part Two uh, has a new release date of June 19th. And, you know, we joked around. I said that it should be coming out. Uh, with, with that news, it'll, it'll likely be coming out in the uh, – in December of 2096 or something like that. You know, I joked around about it. Well, the, uh, the creative director and co-lead writer, Neil Druckmann actually said it's gone gold and it will meet its release date of June 19th. So we're a mere month away from the last of us part two, finally coming out. I'll believe it happen this time. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm still (laughs) afraid to do the pre-order on it. I I ended up pre-ordering a new elliptical instead. Uh, So I'll uh, believe it when I see it. Yeah. I will too, but something tells me this time it's actually coming, and uh, I, I could not be more excited for this game. Uh, more video game news. This one kind of came out of nowhere. There's a new DLC coming out for Mortal Kombat 11 called Aftermath, and it's going to feature RoboCop along with a new story. Yeah, it's a new expansion. It's a little more expensive than most DLCs, and as a bonus, you get RoboCop. 
Um, yeah. I'm interested to see where it goes. Uh, Robocop is not the basis of the story. The story looks like it's based on some of the ninjas we haven't seen in a while. Mortal Kombat fans are all clamoring of who it could be. Um, right. You know, different you know ones that have not been in the uh, video game this year. So hopefully we get a couple awesome characters there. But, you know, it's a nice little bonus to have Robocop. Uh, remains to be yeah. seen. I do believe it's sitting at a price range between $30 and $40, this is from what I understand. Uh, $39.99. Yeah. Uh, or you can also get it, um, Mortal Kombat 11 Aftermath plus the Combat Pack Bundle for $49.99. Yeah, which will give so you the other DLCs kind of they come out with. Because the other ones, yeah. will, the other there's going to probably be a couple other DLC drops for this as well. It's a way to keep the game right. alive. I mean, a lot of other games have done it. Uh, I'm surprised Mortal Kombat hasn't done this sooner. Uh, but I mean, obviously, in the situations we're in now, I'm sure that that's probably what's pushed this instead of them just developing something for another game. Right. You know, the way I look at this, um, I waited a long time for Mortal Kombat 10, um, and I ended up getting it. Actually, I ended up uh, getting it for free. Uh, I had a points thing that I got at work and I was actually able to use that on video games. One of one of many things I could spend my points on. And, uh, that was actually available. So I got that and it was a version that had all of the DLC. It had like the, uh, the Xenomorph was in it, uh, Leatherface. Uh, it, it kind of had like all the DLC already included in it as a lot of games do after they've been out for a while. So I think I'm going to wait for this one to come out when it's like, a like, a whatever version of the game that comes with all the DLC included where it's like, 1999 <laughs> so i think i'll probably wait for that but i get bored with these games easily but yeah. um you know it's, it's one i want to check out it's got some pretty cool characters in it so you know eventually i'll get it uh the cool thing about this is it actually has the voice and likeness of uh peter weller yes uh, for robocop so i thought that was kind of cool uh, a lot of people so, were uh, a, lot, our- a lot of people were shocked about that but it shouldn't be too shocking because outside of the uh, remake that they did, the RoboCop remake, he has actually done all the voice incarnations for <clears throat> RoboCop, including the TV right. series episodes and like special appearances. He's voiced over or been there in person for all of them. So he's been very right. loyal to the character. He really has. He really has. So, you know, I, I thought that was kind of a cool thing that he's going to be doing that, you know, to kind of kind of be back in character again. So, uh, so yeah, you know, it is what it is. If you're, if you're a fan of the Mortal Kombat series, there you go. Robocop. Um, I'm going to turn our attention to some more uh, series, TV series news. Uh, American Horror Story Season 10 may actually be changing themes in the wake of COVID-19. Uh, there's still no word on the theme, but uh, series creator Ryan Murphy said he may have to put whatever the original plan was on hold and do something different. Uh, it's also expected that there's not going to be a season in 2020 at this point, which I don't think is any shock at this point. Interesting. But, um, yeah. It's telling. It's telling what this could have been possibly about. Yeah. Because the only reason I can think about putting it on hold is it was hitting too close to home. Right. Because if you're going to change know, the whole thing. Sort of a virus? Yeah, that's my. I, I don't know, but I'm just saying, I'm assuming it has to be something like that. Because if you think about it, what is the only other reason why you would change uh, the direction of the, the show, or the, you know, the season? Mm-hmm if it wasn't for the fact that it's touching close to what's going on in the world currently. Right. So, I mean, maybe that, you know, in the teaser, it just showed a person crawling out of like a, like a wet, like lake type thing out onto like some grass. So, you know, it's hard to say because he does that. He'll, he'll show like random things and, you know, they don't necessarily, maybe we just you know, had a bad vantage series is going to be what it is. I was going to say, maybe we had a bad vantage point and they're just climbing out of a bunker or something. 
Could be. You know, Could you be. never know. So maybe, so, maybe very well. I mean, th- that's the only thing I could wrap my head around. Why would you? Why else would you change uh, what what was supposed to be? Unless you were like, "Ooh, man, this is a little too close to what's going on," so nobody's going to be entertained by it. Because honestly, people want right. escapism; they don't want to be reminded. Right. Yeah. You know, time will tell. Uh, he did also say something. He, he kind of came out and kind of described uh, what Macaulay Culkin's role was going to be about. He was going to be some really intense character that was going to have some erotic uh, erotic scenes with Kathy Bates' character. So, um, interesting. I, I, I don't know what to think about well, that. Pairing, I'm kind of uh, glad that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I want to see yeah, that. It still may. I still, it, it I, don't, may and I, I definitely you, still don't know if I want to see that. No, uh, you know what? You should want to see that. You should. Everybody should want I've, to see Macaulay Culkin view, and Kathy Bates. I'm just going to say uh, relations. I view Kathy Bates as like a grandmother figure. <laughs> that's just weird sure. to me. Uh, but that's because yeah. she's been there my whole life, even when she was it's breaking true. ankles. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe someday we'll get to see it. You know, fingers crossed. One day. One day. Uh, we got some Stranger Things news. Uh, David Harbour t- uh, kind of had a little tease this week that uh, in season four, uh, some kind of huge backstory involving the Hopper character is going to be revealed. So that could be interesting. I, I can't think of what that would be. But uh, he said that it's going to be really, really, uh, really big news once it hits, once it happens. It's intriguing he's saying backstory. Obviously, we know there's something with the character being still alive and with the Russians from the teaser trailer. Uh, that I I think that's weird that they're going to have a backstory. So God knows what it is. Was he a Russian spy? Yeah, they kind of referenced. Yeah, something they they referenced that I believe it was in season two, uh, when they're out at his cabin. I believe that L was like in a basement or was in some spare room or something, and there were some boxes that had labels on them, and it's going to kind of go back to that. Hmm, so there was there was four boxes that were labeled with four different things, and it's going to kind of reference back to that scene and it's it's going to have something to do with that Interesting. so no idea yeah we'll so, find out we'll tell with that as well we will find out and finally this week we did mention uh this was several months back that cbs had ordered uh, a pilot for a series about uh, the character clarice from silence of the lambs that was going to take place about a year uh after the movie's events well, CBS has officially ordered Clarice the series, uh, so uh, it's it's being picked up for the twenty uh, to the uh, twenty 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 one season. So um, yeah, you know they, that may also get delayed at this point with everything going on, but uh, but they have officially picked it up, so it's going to happen. I'll get on them. They get uh, to make a show if they ever get a chance to. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. the pilot went well. <laughs> it must have. It must have. So I know I'm interested to see that. I, I you know. Right. I, something about that series that I enjoy. So, um, you know, I, I was a fan of the uh, the sequels, or the sequel and the prequel. So, um, so yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see where they go with it. Awesome. So as am I. Well, what do you guys think about that or anything else we talked about here in the news segment? Or uh, you want to drop in uh, later on when we talk about uh, uh, Psycho 2. Uh, whatever you want to do, go ahead and hit us up on our social medias. We're on Facebook, HorrorZone607. We're on Twitter and Instagram, at HorrorZone607. Use that hashtag HZ607 whenever talking about the show. Also, you can visit 8122productions.com. Check out our archives. Check out the 3 Fat Nerds page, the wrestling show page. Check out Friends of the Show 
show like the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour and so much more. All there on 8122productions.com. And last but certainly not least, if you'd like to support the podcast, monetarily help us fund what we do here and get a ton of extra bonus content for as little as $1 a month, you can do that on Patreon at patreon.com slash 8122productions. Uh, get a ton of bonus content and... Uh, you get a lot of special stuff. So check that out if you will. And it does go all to help the show. I know you guys can't hear the new soundboard yet because Mike is taking up the iPad as he is in a bunker, not in studio. But one day, one day, hopefully we'll have him back and we can uh, resume all the crazy stuff that we have going on here in studio. With that being said, though, uh, we are going to take our break. When we come back, it's going to be the Horror Zone 607 review. And of course, it's the second week of five weeks of Psycho. That means we're talking about Psycho 2. So we'll be right back. Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference. Welcome back to the zone, and now it is time for the Horror Zone 607 review segment. And of course, as we said before, it is week two of five weeks of Psycho. Everybody's getting stir crazy. Everybody's stuck in a house, but nobody's house is quite like the Bates house. And uh, this week, of course, we are going to the direct sequel. Uh, well, I mean, all of them were in the same film line, but it is the direct sequel of Psycho, although it came out 23 years later. Uh, that's right. Psycho 2, of course, is the release date is June 3rd, 1983, if you remember correctly. The first movie came out in 1960. So, I mean, there's a big jump between here and there. Uh, the runtime of this movie is 113 minutes. Uh, the uh, It was written by Tom Holland, of course, based off of characters by Robert Black. I'm going to get to a fun fact about him in a minute. Uh, it was produced by Hilton A. Green and Bernard Schwartz and directed by Richard Franklin. Uh, it was done for a budget of $5 million and made $34.7 million in the box office. Now, I said that I wanted, before we talk about the movie, I will go to the same year that Psycho 2 came out, uh, Robert Block actually wrote a sequel to Psycho. Did you know that, Mike? I did know that. Yes, but his sequel, his book, was actually completely different than the movie we got. You see, his book was more like a slasher film and the fact that uh, Norman escapes from prison and then proceeds to go around and kill a bunch of people. And that's what people would assume that Psycho 2 was going to be about. But no, 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 no. Universal Studios and, uh, and of course, the director, uh, Richard Franklin, decided he wanted to make more of a thriller whodunit, which is kind of the basis of the original. I mean, there's more kernels. And, of course, he wanted to hit you with that uh, great twist ending, which he does both. He lands both sticking points, in my opinion. Let's talk about the synopsis of the film. Of course, I, I realize this movie came out in 1983. But if you would like to see the film first and you haven't already seen it, I suggest you go watch it because we will talk about some spoilers because this movie has twist endings. Uh, so just so you guys know, if uh, you don't care about it being spoiled or, you know, whatever, go ahead and just listen. But it is a great movie to see if you know, if you've never seen it, I suggest watching it. And if I do suggest watching it without knowing the spoilers as well, uh, because it, it definitely has a more impact on you uh, if you don't know what's coming in the twist. But 
I just, so I want to be fair and forewarn everybody. So if not, we won't be offended. Just go ahead and pause it here. Go watch the movie and then come back. If you've already watched the movie because you knew this was coming up because we let you know anyways, or you've seen it before, it's time for you to uh, hear our take. So let me give you the overview of the movie real quick. We open up, of course, with uh, Norman Bates being released from prison uh, due to uh, the fact that he is now allegedly cured. Because, of course, he was a, he was uh, guilty on uh, facts of uh, being mentally insane. So uh, they get him out. And, of course, we have a, a pivotal scene right in the beginning with uh, of Lila, of course. Uh, by the way, Lila was replaced by the original actress. Did you know that, Mike? Yeah, yes. her miles. Yes, right. That's a pretty much. So Lila Crane is there. She basically says, you know you're going to kill again. Yeah. So she's kind of acting like the crazy person from a Friday the 13th movie. <laughs> I, I, I just got to yep. throw that out there. That was really of course, the uh, psychiatrist takes uh, Norman back to the Bates house. Of course, Anthony Perkins is also back in the role of Norman Bates. Uh, Norman then, you know, has, you know, it's, it's weird. You put the crazy man back in a house that drove him nuts. You know, he sees a couple things. There's some notes that he runs across. I mean, I'm going out of order a little bit. Uh, he gets a job at a local diner where some of the town folk, you know, they're not feeling old Norman and what he did and how he's out. And some of the town folk don't care as much. There he meets uh, Mary, who is a, a waitress there, played by Meg Tilly. Uh, if you didn't know, Meg Tilly is the sister of uh, Jennifer Tilly. There you go. Yes. So uh, both correct. of them both of them made their uh, way in the world of horror. Uh, so anyways, Mary ends up, uh, a long story short, Mary ends up taking him up on an offer to live in the Bates home because she has no place to stay. Uh, fast forward, we get a little, uh, got some kids that break into the house and they get murdered by somebody in a wig, in a dress, dressed just like mother. Could it be Norman is back to his old ways? Could it be that he is dressing like mother again? Or is somebody trying to set up our young Norman Bates? Who knows? Got to stay tuned. Of course, Norman is now being tortured by either his own voices in his head or somebody else because he's getting phone calls. He's finding those notes that I pre-mentioned because he's finding them throughout the whole movie. There's different situations that he uh, he finds himself in throughout this movie where he is like thinks he's losing his mind again. And it, it's taking you down the dark rabbit hole. I think they do a very good job of that. Uh, once again, skipping a bunch of stuff when, you know, like I said, we're not going to go scene for scene. Uh, we get to a point where we find out that Mary has a dark secret. Mary is actually Mary Loomis, the daughter of Sam Loomis and Lila Cr Crane. Here's the funny part. Lila married the lover of her sister <laughs> and they had a child together. Yep. Isn't that, that was the first part I thought was crazy. Now we find out that Mary is there to do her mother's bidding, including dress up like mother. Hmm. little crazy. She tells her mom she's not going to do her bidding anymore because mom says, hey, you got to dress up as mother one more time because it's needed to send him over the edge completely. And she disagrees with it. So mother, her mother, Lila, goes to the house and dresses up like mother only to be murdered by somebody else dressed like mother. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but it actually is a, it's Don't actually, it's, it's, it's confusing, but you know what? It's actually pretty cool. And then Mary ends up dressed like mother and encountering Norman Bates. Like I said, I skipped over a bunch of stuff. Once again, we're not doing the whole scene for scene, which is, a that's, I think it's one of the most disturbing scenes in the film when Mary's dressed up like mother and she's stabbing at Norman and it's hitting him in the hands. And then she stabs at him and he grabs the blade of the knife as she's cutting and he's looking at her all crazed. I thought that uh, right. for some reason, I think that moment of the movie is like, holy shit. You know what I mean? It's it, uh, that, that's nuts. 
Uh, was, I, I don't it know really what it, I don't know what it is with the the stabbing of the hand that really kind of bothers me. <laughs> but it was weird because yeah, just, it's he's pretty. Bo- uh, that's that that seems very hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, we I missed over when when uh, Lila Crane gets it. She has one of the best kills in '80s horror movie history. She takes a knife right through the mouth and out the back of her head. Yeah, and yeah, it looks very good. I should have mentioned that. I'm sorry. I am doing a bad job of hosting this, not mentioning that. I thought it was one, it's one of my favorite kills in a horror movie. This movie is not a slasher film by any stretch of the imagination, but there, that that's that's a very slasher-esque kill. But uh, Norman... It really it, was. Yeah. Uh, roundabout yep. way, uh, Mary meets her demise by the hands of who we find out is the real killer. And the real killer is the lady who owned the shop, the diner that uh, that uh, uh, that uh, Norman works in. Which is weird because she gets very little screen time up until this point. Am I, you know, right. you know, it seems kind of nurturing. Time. She seems like a sweet old lady. You know, it just kind of works there. And you know, she, you you kind of see her just kind of like checking things out from from right. The background, so she's got very know, she's got she's got very little. It's uh, it's uh, Emma Spool is her name, and she yep, is played. Yes, it's, it's Emma Spool, and she's played by Claudia Breyer. Uh, she does a great job. I'm not. I, I gotta be honest. I, I thought it was great, but you don't see her much in the movie, and then you realize that. Uh, guess what? Uh, he's. It, it, she says and reveals that she is actually Norman Bates' real mother. <laughs> so, ooh, what a twist! Hmm. Not only is not only have we had Mary Mary Loomis running around trying to make uh, Norman crazy, wearing mother's dress, trying to get him to have a glimpse and have a mental break. Not only has been Lila Crane has been behind that, but now remember I said earlier there, there was a young man and a couple that got murdered in the house. Then of course, you know, Lila Crane gets murdered in the house. There's a couple other murders as well. And of course at the end with Mary and the murderer is actually this Emma Spool who is, is now revealing herself to be the real mother of, of one Norman Bates. Right, and the sister of uh, of Norman's real mother, mother from the previous movie. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you get you get it even more deep in there, but it gets it gets better because that's not even the end of the movie. We got another little bit of the movie. If if you didn't think that it was a twist to find out that, that Lila Crane was the mother of who turns out to be Mary and Mary Loomis, if you didn't think it was a twist to, to find out that tell Sam Loomis and, and Lila Crane had a kid, if you didn't think that it was even a twist that, that you know Mary is is the one turning on Norman, and then you didn't think it was a twist that his mother is a different woman, oh it gets better because as they're sitting at the table, Norman asks his mother if she wants a sandwich, and right after whacks her ass upside the head with a fucking shovel. <laughs> And then proceeds yep. to put her up in the room in the rocking chair because he her, she made the mistake of saying going to normal and normal to Norman Bates is having a dead mother in a rocking chair in the attic. <laughs> there it is. There it is. And of course, we have a really great shot at the end of the movie. You see the you see the silhouette of the body in a chair as Norman is standing outside in a what looks like to be a thunderstorm, and that's where the movie cuts. It's a great it's a great cinematic scene. It's also the scene that technically is in the movie poster as well. They they edited some things out, obviously, but it's in the movie poster as well. So it's a really good shot. Um, with that being said, that's kind of the movie in a nutshell. Once again, we're not gogging down by going over things. So if I miss something, don't, don't shoot me, but I'm not going to give you scene for scene of the movie. Uh, but that's, uh, the, the gist of the movie It's a great whodunit. Uh, you really, you, you really believe different things throughout the movie. You don't know what to believe. And by the end of it, you're like, holy shit, what did I just see? Not in a bad way though. Cause I, I like good twists when they're executed. Um, I also want to point out that there is a, uh, uh, Oz Perkins is in this movie as well. 
He plays the yeah. young Norman Bates in a flashback scene. So go figure. Yes, he does. Go figure. Before he was making bad movies, he was in Psycho. Before, <laughs> before he was making terrible movies, he was playing young Norman oh, Bates. Oh, I so wish the professor was here for that. Yes, I do too. Cause, but, cause, uh, again, but he he's, is, he's, he's, uh, he's convalescing at home right now. He's convalescing. He's right now nursing that hangover while watching Freddy's Dead. <laughs> I got it in there. And I got, got it, it in it. there at the professor's expense. There you go. So now let's dive into the at review the section. And uh, I'm going to say before you come up, uh, I'm going to let you break it down. And then what we'll do is I'll do my, I'll give a little review, let you give a little review. And uh, then we'll do our, I'll tell, you know, I'll tell the scores on the things on the internet and then we'll give our scores. Uh, but for I'm me, good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put it this way to you. Uh, as far as my review overall, I love the feel of this movie. I love the fact that they, even though it's the granddad of slasher films, they didn't do what the 1983 thing would have been and to make it a slasher film. I like the fact that they kept it as a whodunit. I mean, the original, as we talked about before, I mean, it was more see-throughable, if you will, but it was still kind of a whodunit at the end of the day because at times you questioned whether it was Norman or Mother or whoever the hell it was because you didn't know. You know what I mean? So I, I think that that was a good mm-hmm. thing. Uh, I also love that the homage by the cinematographer of this movie uh, let me look up his name because I want to give him credit because I turned off that page to look up all of the wonderful actors. And Dean Cundey. Yes, there you go. Uh, Dean, he, Who I, was, I, of course, behind the original Halloween. That's right. He also worked. He also uh, worked with uh, Hitchcock in the past as well as an assistant director. Yeah. So he has had Great one hell. Of, I was going to say he, he has had one hell of a, a a career in Hollywood. But anyways, he paid a great homage to Alfred Hitchcock by putting a bunch of Hitchcock shots in the movie. He used the vertigo shot in the movie. Uh, he used the bird's eye shot in the movie. Uh, he he definitely did the the work. It look it looks and feels very much like uh, not just the original, but it looks and feels like a Hitchcock uh, reference. There is a Hitchcock Easter egg in the movie. Uh, I don't know if you caught it, Mike. There's a silhouette that looks like Alfred Hitchcock when they enter a room. They enter a room, they hear yeah. a noise, and against the closet, before they turn on the light, you can see the silhouette of the famous silhouette of one Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, so that that was pretty cool. That. Yeah, it's a, but it's an amazing homage to put that in there, obviously, on purpose. They wanted to make sure that came in. And once again, like I said, they, they used the vertigo shot. They used the bird's eye shot. They used a lot of like shots that uh, Hitchcock was known for. So they kept it very familiar. In the back of your head, if you're a fan, especially a fan of Hitchcock, you knew what you were watching, and it was very familiar. Uh, and, and I, and I appreciated that. Uh, I love the score to this movie. Uh, I thought that they did some really neat and brave things with the score and it paid off big way. Uh, it wasn't just a normal brooding score in a horror movie on different levels. You had different things. There was some lighter tone music to when things were going well, when, uh, whenever uh, Norman looked like he was going mantic, the music kind of got faster and more stern. They did an amazing job on the sound of this movie. Uh, like I said, the looks and the shooting of it were great. And, and, and I can't say enough about the story. Uh, I thought the story was a very good continuation. I'm glad they didn't stick with the sequel that Robert Block made. Uh, not that the, the book wasn't good, but it's like it would have taken this to the normal slasher area. And I think this movie was better being the way it was. Uh, and I really do enjoy this movie. Uh, Mike, what are your review takeaways for Psycho 2? So, uh, first of all, I'm going to echo, you know, everything that you said, you know, the music is great. Uh, cinematography was great. Um, you know, they, they, they did an excellent job. Now, a lot of people might say, you know, you're taking one of the greatest horror movies, one of the greatest movies in, in cinema history in psycho, one of the most legendary movies of them all. And you're trying to make a sequel to it. How can you do that? How can you make a sequel to it? There's no way this would work. And they made it work, you know, 23 years later no less they made it work and you know i don't know that the original psycho ever needed a sequel 
but boy, did they do it justice once they did. Um, you know, if there's anything, you know, that I would say to it that maybe I would have liked to have seen that was different with it, you know, and I'm just going to pitch this to you, Rich, just to see what you think. But what if they had filmed it in black and white? Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have it would have been a better homage, if you will. But I like that they made it feel like the time. Uh, you're telling a yeah. story because they did it in real time. I, that's one of the things I should have said that I enjoyed that's too. True. They did the sequel in real time. So this movie takes place 20, well, technically because they, when they filmed it was 22 years, even though it aired in 23. Right. So it takes place 22 years after the original film in real time. And it does invite the actors true. back. So that means you see the same actors, you see them actual legit age 22 years. And on top of that, it deals with the fact that he's been locked up for 22 years. So it is a, in that aspect, I feel like it was that very good. Yeah. Uh, the black and white would have been a cool homage and I, I i'm not saying it wouldn't i think it would from a stylistic shot it would be cool looking however i like the fact the only reason i would like it I, I like it like this i think better the way it was was shot is because think about it it makes it look like it progressed to your eyes from 1960 to 1983 as well right yeah that's a good point you know that is a good point i didn't think of that when i you know when i opened my big mouth there so you know you, you no, but Easter point, I, I actually yeah. I, I will give you but, this i do think artistically it would have looked amazing in black and white they did a very good job of right. uh, they did a very good job with their colors and stuff however the the one thing that i wouldn't have liked in black and white was the kill because the kill on uh on on lila was amazing Oof. Uh, it's a brutal yeah, it really kill. Was. It's a knife through the mouth. It comes out the back of the head. Uh, the makeup artist was amazing on this film. It looked amazing. It's the most brutal kill in the movie. Um, I I would say it's the second most brutal thing in the movie because I really because I, I guess I just have a thing with hands. So that whole hand scene with Norman and Mary is is fucking crazy. Um, here's a yeah, here's here's a takeaway. Really I, I want to know if you noticed or not before we go into grading. Did you notice that the most crazy person in this movie? The movie's called Psycho. We know it's the Norman Bates story, but he's not the biggest psycho in this movie. Lila Crane is the biggest psycho in this movie. Did yeah, you know she it, really it, is. They do they do a good job of She's putting her in that lighting. And think about this: she is putting her daughter in harm's way. She has put her daughter in harm's yeah. way. Her daughter is living in the house of a man that she knows, or she's telling everybody is a crazy killer who killed seven people in 1960. Because remember, he was convicted including of seven murders, sister. including her sister, the aunt of her daughter. And she is putting her daughter in that house to make him go crazy, to poke the fucking bear, to the point that at one point in the movie, Mary hands uh, Norman a, bu- a-, a butcher knife to cut a sandwich while she's sitting next to him. And he looks at, and there's a real uncomfortable moment where he's looking at the knife, looking at her. And finally she kind of has the uncomfortable, like, is there something wrong, Norman? And you could tell she's nervous and you're like, Oh my God, what parent, you know, brow beats their kid in that. Not to mention making her dress up like mother. (laughs) And on top of it, uh, she does the shower scene. She tries to entice him with a shower. Knowing that right. her aunt died in a shower <laughs> yeah. to a butcher knife to yeah, this she's man. she's that obsessed with trying to take him down and trying to, you know, put him back in prison. So, so you're absolutely right. She really is the main antagonist wow. in this movie, whereas she's, you know, one of the, the main protagonists, I guess you could say, in the first movie, yeah. the original movie. She's the main antagonist. More, more than Emma Spool. She's the main antagonist. Oh, absolutely. Well, Emma so Spool is such she, an outside really thing. Emma, the Emma Spool thing, quite honestly... Uh, that part of the twist, I, I it wasn't as good for me. I mean, because I, I, it threw me for a loop. I, I mean, I no. But, once again, I didn't see it coming, but I don't know if I liked it so much. And it gets retconned out. Yeah. We'll talk about it next week. It gets retconned out in, in part three. The right. fact that that's his his mother. They could have just left it at it was the sister. It was his aunt. 
taking care of right. him. Those people were trying to take advantage of you, Norman, and I was taking care of you. And and show that the family as a whole, the family Bates, if you will, is just full of psychos. <laughs> you know, right? Uh, They're all crazy. Yeah. So I mean, I thought that that would have been a better touch. Mine again. I'm I'm backseat driving, and if that's and, and by the way, that is my only qualm with the movie. Like honestly, I don't really have many qualms with this movie, uh, plotline wise. Because the other plotline that you see a lot on the internet is that people have a problem with the fact that he was released from prison. But people get released from prison all the time for weird things and sent back to bad situations. Right. Like this happens all the time in the real world. Just look in the real media. So if you have a problem that he got released from prison because he was mentally cleared and sent back to the house that he was in, go through on a daily basis, or just go through. You can find it real quick about inmates who were released back into bad situations where they recommitted crimes. It happens all the time in the real right. world. So that's not a plot hole to me. The The, the only plot hole is, uh, and I mean, it's not really a plot hole with the mother. I just would have preferred if she would have just stayed the aunt because then it would have made, I don't know, I, it, it was convoluted, if you will. I like the twist. It's just right. convoluted. If she was still the aunt, then it's less convoluted because you're like, oh, that explains why he got the job. And that explains, you know, her little lurking in the background. You know what I mean? She was watching her right. nephew because her obviously her sister is dead. Uh, so right. I, I think and, that, and, you know, the only... The, the, the bigger issue I have with Emma Spool and her character, and, and obviously I'm not going to get into too much of Cycle 3 until next week when we talk about it, but in the third movie, <laughs> the, the private investigator lady and, and the cop go to Emma Spool's house to do some searching. And on Emma Spool's, I don't know if it's her desk or her end table, she has a picture of herself there. She has a picture of herself in her own apartment that she lived in alone. I yeah. don't know if you ever caught that. Yeah, yeah. When you watch, we'll talk about we'll talk about that next issue, week for sure. But it, it is weird so, that she gets. I, I, thought, I always thought that was kind of funny. I mean, I just wanted to bring up now that it does get retconned out next movie, which uh, right Psycho Three takes place in 1986, only a three year turnaround, and is a direct sequel, obviously, to Psycho Two, uh, with the exception right. that they retconned some things that they didn't like out, and that was one of them that, right. that she was the um, real mother of Norman Bates. They go back to the original mother, which is fine, but right. I, I think they should have kept her as the aunt. Uh, I, I would have liked that better. And that's it. If that's my only bone to pick, really, with the plot of the movie, I thought it was a great whodunit. It keeps you off edge. Just when you think you know what's going on, they change it. And it's and it's a good way. You know, you find out, you know, you right. find out Lila's pulling some strings. But then you find out that Mary is actually Mary Loomis and that that's Lila's daughter. And then you're like, oh, shit. She's, you know, she's over here, you know you know, being with Norman and trying to whatever, but he's, she's actually trying to go Norman into going crazy. And then at the same time, she right. tries to get out of doing it. Remember, she tells her mother, no, she's not going to mess and she's not going to live for the dead anymore. But then still finds a sense of duty to do it because she doesn't realize her mother is dead at one point until after, right. uh, until after she is discovered in mother's clothing and, and, and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's when we get I don't that think that she ever does find oh, out. Oh, yeah, that's that right. She does, no, she doesn't find out. Yeah, but she's still, you know, she gets discovered. So she does a sense that she still does her mom's bidding. Because not knowing her mom's right. dead, she comes, she dresses up like mother, and then she confronts Norman. Well, she doesn't mean to confront Norman. Norman but catches her. But at this point, her. she cares about Norman. She, you know, she, she started to care about him and uh, didn't like what her mother was doing. And she got to know him and thought that he was kind and sweet and... She right. actually was trying to talk him down off the ledge, you know, because at this point she doesn't know that Emma Spool is calling him. She thinks that he's, you know, losing it. She she's thinks she's about the, they were the, the ones notes. Yeah, but, the notes and catching right. a glimpse and blah, blah, blah. That's all she knows. Right. Yeah. yeah. But at the same point in Juncture, I just but, think it's weird that she puts herself into the position. At the end, she still go, you know, and I understand she's trying to talk him down, but still she's still doing the thing that would trigger him. 
You know, it's it's a weird right. it's a weird convoluted thing, but I get it because I I can go with it because the story is that way. She's doing things for her mother, and then she's trying to serve two masters, and and it's just not working out for her, the poor girl. And then right. she, of course she meets her demise by the hands of the real killer of this movie. Because uh, technically that's, Norman only, of course Norman only gets one body in this movie. <laughs> right. Uh, like I said, he has to go uh, back to know, normal. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, a couple other things I just want to kind of mention sure. that I, I like about this movie is, you know, first of all, the the style that it was shot in. You know, this was something that, if I'm not mistaken, Alfred Hitchcock was already was already gone. He'd already passed away by the yes, time this yes, came he was out. Already passed but away. Um, it, it was shot very much in the same style that the original one was. A lot of the same camera angles and things like that. Um, like you mentioned, the music was perfect for it. So it had it had, although it was in color and it was more quote unquote modern. You know, obviously this was you know almost 40 years ago now, but it was modern for its time. It still had the same uh, atmosphere to it. You know, it, it really felt like a perfect sequel to it. Um, a lot of the things now they 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 filmed the original movie. They filmed all of them at Universal Studios. Uh, I believe the fourth one was actually filmed at Universal Studios Florida, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But we'll get to that when we research that when we do that in a couple of weeks. But the original one was done at Universal Studios Hollywood. California, and um, this one was as well, except they uh, the original Bates house was still standing, but they had demolished the original motel itself. Uh, so they actually moved the Bates house to a different location for this movie, reconstructed the original motel, but they actually came across um, out there uh, in their archives a lot of the props that were from the original movie. Um, things like the Tiffany lamps, the stuffed owl and the raven that you see in the original movie, the brass hands that you see in Mrs. Bates's bedroom, uh, the fireplace that's uh, that's in the bedroom, her bed and the armoire, uh, you know, the runner that's on the staircase. All those things are from the original movie, and they put them in this one. So it really, you know, they they a lot of these movies when they recreate for a sequel, they they recreate it. That's what it is. I am always fascinated when they use original locations, when they use original items from the movie. To me, it's more authentic. And this movie was very authentic to the first, you know, as compared to the original movie. And uh, so that's one of the things that I've always really, really, really enjoyed about this movie. Um, To me, you know, again, Psycho did not need a sequel. And, you know, I I guess, you know, on one hand, this kind of gets, for me, it kind of gets points taken away because it didn't need a sequel. But at the same time, it was a perfect sequel to it. So it gets the points right back. So to me, you know, when we're talking about, horror movie sequels this is one of the greatest sequels that's ever been made to any to any legendary movie horror movies this is one of the best ones it was done well it they they really uh meticulously went into great detail to to make it feel authentic and make it feel like it truly was um a sequel to alfred hitchcock's work you know to, to really pay tribute to him so uh so to me you know, this this movie really, really was one of the better sequels uh, ever made to any horror movie, in my opinion. Absolutely. I agree with you. It is definitely one of the best sequels ever made. It is also one of the most underrated movies, uh, especially sequels or any otherwise. And the reason why is I'm going to share, share with you some of the scores in this movie. It's going to sound that way. Metacritic had it at 54%. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has it at 59%. Uh, IMDb has it at a 6.5 out of 10. 
Google users have it at 87%. So, I mean, obviously amongst fans, it is definitely getting uh, uh, a really good thing. I, I did come across this that I kind of wanted to read before we gave it because I think that this shows you uh, sometimes in, uh, people we trust are out of touch. From June, 19, June 6, 1983, Roger Ebert wrote, and this is just a quick snippet of his Psycho 2 review. He says, if you've seen Psycho a dozen times and can recite the shots in the shower scene by heart, Psycho 2 is just not going to do it for you, which I couldn't, I couldn't disagree with him more because if you're a fan of the original movie i feel like this movie ties in perfectly with the original movie especially uh, as it aged that's personally me uh but then again i don't judge everything about what roger ebert thought because there's a lot of things that he thought that were just flat wrong uh roger ebert was the same guy who uh if you remember correctly uh said that uh jurassic park was trash and wasn't going to make any money and uh what did jurassic park do again oh yeah it was the highest grossing box office film at the time so yeah, Roger, keep in mind, you know, this is a guy that hated horror, and Gene Siskel, you know, his his old uh, partner for this, mm-hmm. was the guy that gave away Friday the 13th when they did the review on that movie, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, actually published um, published addresses uh, of the actors that were in the movie to tell people to go after them. Yeah. You know, this, this, this is the same people that did that. I don't put a lot of stock in the things that they no, did. No, neither they, do they I. Were, I just wanted to put out, out a touchy. So when people yeah. put, when people put Roger Deaver, you know, who is no longer with us, so it's bad. It's ill to talk with about the dead sometimes, but there's a lot of people right. who used to put stock in the Roger Deaver and Gene Siskel. Siskel and Eber were looked at one way. They were nothing but shills who were paid by the movie industry to pump out things. Uh, I don't believe that they ever had a real true opinion. Anybody who ever watched this movie, and there's a lot of critics at the time, and even now, who have uh, made this movie very underrated, but it's found its audience because I went online to YouTube after I had watched the movie and I was doing my review and I was looking up and it, it came a crime time and time again. I did not find a negative review of it on YouTube. A lot of people saying how it was the most underrated movie of all time. It was the greatest horror sequel of all time, much like you just said. I have seen a lot of those sentiments. If you look at the Google users, 87% love this movie. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a definitely a movie. Now, we got to go to our thing. I obviously uh, let the cat out of the bag a little bit, but this is my favorite movie in the series. Uh, not taking away from anything of the original. The original will be a classic. Uh, the better movie of the two is the original because, I mean, it's just a classic. And Without the original, you don't have this movie. Let's, let's get that out in the open. But as far as entertainment value... Uh, for myself, I by the time I got to see the 1960 classic, it was really, like I said last week, and the reason I don't put it up there a lot of times with things like Halloween or Jaws is by the time I saw it, it was already antiquated, if you will. It was it was black and white. Right. The the stuff was the stuff the stuff that was shocking in 1960 was not shocking to a young man. Whether I think it was in the early 80 or well, it had to be in the early 90s that I saw this because I, I was a young boy. I was definitely under the age of 12, and you know I was born in 83. So we're probably looking at 90 sometime between 90 and 92 that I saw the original. I, I'm I think I saw the first time I saw the sequel was probably when I was about 16. So we're talking 1999. Because I used to watch a lot of, me and my friends used to get together and watch a lot of horror movies. And I didn't even know there was a sequel to this movie, believe it or not, until then. Uh, because, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. when I was young, my mom wasn't exactly like, here, Rich, go ahead and watch this. But Psycho uh, was safe at the time, you know, when I saw it when I was a young lad. Because my mom's like, he's not going to be super scared. It's not like there's a lot of boobs or anything in it, like the horror movies of the 80s, as we all know. Uh, you know, it's, it's obviously, you know, pure, if you will. And I think that's why I've never had, I I respect the art of it. I respect uh, Hitchcock. And that's why it always gets a high score. Like I gave it a nine last week. And and I I only do that out of the respect and knowing it's a classic. But as far as entertainment for me, I just never had done it because of of those reasons. And whether you like it or, you know, like what my opinion or not, that's that's fine. But I, I think that that's, 
a very good opinion to have. I still give it a high score because obviously it's one of the classics of horror movies, and I love the shooting of the original. Now, with that being said, this one is my favorite. I'm entertained by this movie. I love the fact that it has the twist endings. I love the continuation of the story. I thought that they did everything well from the shooting of it to the score. Um, like I said, I, the only thing I would put gun to my head, the only thing I would really change is the fact that I would have just made it his aunt instead of his mom. But whatever. Those, that's just nitpicky at that point in juncture. Uh, you know, there's a few other right. little, little like, whatever problems. Uh, so overall, I give this movie an 8.7. Uh, it's not quite as high as the original. Wow. It's not as quite as high as the original, but if you remember, I bumped the original up because of being a classic. I don't bump this up because uh, it's not technically a classic, but I give it an 8.7 out of 10. Uh, but it is, the, I, I preface that with it. It's my most under, it's definitely the most underrated horror sequel of all time. Probably the greatest horror sequel of all time. It's a complete tie-in. Uh, you don't have any of the, like the issues. Everybody else tries to, uh, you know, jigsaw in a sequel. I mean, do needly, needly reminded of, uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street two, <laughs> you know what I mean, or even as right. good as even as good as Friday the Thirteenth Part two is, it's a whole nother beast because obviously it's now Jason and not his mother. You know what I mean? Uh, Halloween right. two it gets a little close because it's a continuation, but Halloween two really pales in comparison to the original Halloween. Um, as far as right. the original Halloween is damn near a perfect movie shot, you know, front to back, and 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 Halloween two has a lot of issues. Let's be honest, I still love it, but it's got a lot of issues. And, uh, and on top of that, you know, it's like Jaws. Let's not even talk about the Jaws sequels. Uh, and Jaws is an amazing movie. So when you have a classic movie, the reason I bring those movies up and I could bring other ones up is those movies are all classics in my mind. Those movies are all movies. The originals are all these classic movies and all of theirs fall way short. Like Halloween two is a gun to head right now. And I haven't watched it. I know we'll review it probably at Halloween time, uh, is, is off the top of my head without seeing it again in a little while is, is like a seven and a half or eight. I mean, I won't give you the exact number cause I haven't seen it in a while, but I know it's not as high as an eight, seven, <laughs> you know what I mean? Probably the right. closest to that would be Friday the 13th, too, only because I love the parts of that movie that work really well. But at the same point in juncture, I don't think it's as good as the classic that was the original. And this is right on the door. Literally, I, I would be at the same score, but I gave a little bit more because of the classicness to the Hitchcock classic. So that's really the only deduction. And other than that, they're very much on par with each other. And uh, I suggest seeing this movie. If you do not watch any of the other Psycho movies we uh, cover, this is the movie you should see. If you haven't already seen it, I hope you can be convinced you to watch it because I, I think it's amazing. So, Mike, what is your grade, knowing that you grade a little harder usually? Yeah. So, uh, again, I agree with, you know, pretty much everything you're saying, you know, and, uh, usually we have a little bit of a, a difference of opinion, although we, we generally, you know, I think we agree on most things, you know, we're, we're pretty similar with what we think. So I agree with almost everything you say, you know, with this. So again, I, I think that maybe I like the, uh, the twist being Emma spool, you know, saying that she's the mother. I, I think maybe I like that a little bit more than you just cause it kind of took me by surprise. Uh, and I dug that, but you know, you got, a movie that's got great acting. It's 22 years later when they're filming it. And Anthony Perkins, although he's aged, you know, he's plays the role just as perfectly as he did the first time. Uh, Vera Miles was great. Uh, you know, we didn't even talk to, you know, about uh, some of the other people that were in this. Robert Loja was in this movie. The oh, great yeah. Robert Loja. Oh, Dennis yeah. Franz. Um, another one of the antagonists in the movie, Dennis Franz, is uh, Mr. Toomey. So, uh, you know, it has a great cast, uh, shot so well. Music is fantastic. It, you know, it's just as suspenseful as the first one, I would say. Um, you know, it has all the looks and all the feels. And again, you know, I, I have to look at a list of uh, all the sequels, you know, the horror movies out there. But this is definitely amongst, amongst the best that ever have been made. Uh, so in terms of a score for this, 
Um, you know, I give the original one a nine out of 10. I'm going to give this one an eight out of 10. It is that good of a movie. Uh, you know, it's not, I hope that doesn't come across as a harsh score. I think that's an excellent score for this. Well, for uh, you it just, is. You know, I mean, anybody who knows yeah. your grading, anybody who knows your grading curve, it is because you're, you have, you, you're definitely a harder grader. I've, I've always said to me, I'm a little lighter on the grading, um, and separating mm-hmm. it out. Uh, but you, you know, everybody has their own system, but for an eight for you is a great, is a great score. Um, especially on a nine. Like yeah, I said, I, I mean, I the only reason really it's not close. a higher score is because, yeah, I mean, if the original one is a nine out of 10, this one to me just is just, you know, just a scotch less than the original movie, just because it's not the original. It's hard for me to come across something that I find is better than the original. This one is so close. It's so close. It's just, just a teensy tiny little bit less in it's, my opinion. It's definitely the greatest sequel. It's, it's right. definitely the best but sequel of a horror movie ever. In my exactly, opinion. exactly. There's no, I, I don't think that there's a sequel that actually beats this movie as far as being the movie. There's, there's some that can be entertaining, of course, in the slasher genre. You know, and when we get the slasher scores, because I know we haven't covered all the big slasher movies yet, as far as real reviews. When we get to them, you'll get to see some of the like my realistic scores. I love the slasher genre, but I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of them get lower scores because they're not great movies. They're, they're entertaining. Right. I, I, I will separate that for you. They're entertaining. But they're not, you know, you know, whatever. Like I said, Halloween two would be the closest that would get another high score, but not as high as this. I like I said, off the top of my head, it's been a while, but I think I would give it, you know, and, and once again, we're gonna cover that in the Halloween era, just hint hint hint, you know, what we're right. doing for Halloween Fest this year. But I off the top of my head, uh, remembering the last time I saw it, probably a seven and a half. And that's because and I like that movie, like uh, because it is a continuation, but there is flaws in that movie, uh, more so than this movie. This movie is very much the on par as far as the storyline with the original, there's not really much varying off with the exception of, of the fact that the, the mother reveal. And once again, I I'm fine. I'm, I'm not, it doesn't make me hate the movie, but I, I just wish it would have just been at because it would have been better for the story, if you will. You right. know what I mean, and it the does, fact that they retcon that in the third movie, I think kind of, in my opinion, makes that, it, it, it makes it more forgivable. Well, maybe that's why I don't mind it as much. Maybe, but here's the thing I, I will, will, we'll be obviously next week. We'll be talking about psycho three and, uh, I, I'm not going to lie to you. There's a drop off. <laughs> Uh, right. Uh, so I mean, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm, I'm not trying to be like uh, whatever, but there, there's a drop off, and I think that that's maybe why I didn't. Maybe that's why it's in my mind the opposite of you. You are going okay. Well, they right. fixed it in the continuity, and I'm going well. They fixed it in a worse movie. <laughs> it, you know, I'm, I'm giving away true. a little something, but I mean, whatever. You'll you'll hear the full on review next week, uh, and I'll always check it out for yourself. So uh, I, at the end of the day, Mike gives it an eight. I give it an eight point seven. I mean, this is a great movie. We both agree that it's the, probably the greatest horror movie sequel of all time. And like I said, it's my most entertaining film in the in the in the franchise. Yes, I graded Psycho as more, but as the reasons I said, the reasons that it. Psycho has never stepped into the realm of Halloween. Uh, my highest rating movies, as we know, are both nine and a half. I won't go above nine and a half. Uh, it's just, I know I say out of 10 all the time, but I, I just don't go above it because I don't believe in a perfect movie. And the two nine and a half movies that I have in the horror genre of all time are obviously Jaws and and the original Halloween. And honestly, uh, one day I might go into uh, the fact, I'll, I'll tease it here, but one day I might go into the fact of, if you notice, both of those movies were not the finished product that they were intended to be. Right. Both the original Halloween and Jaws were intended to be something a little different, 
and uh, or actually in Jaws's case, a lot different. <laughs> but I mean, they yeah. were both intended yep. to be something different, and due to circumstances out of the control of the directors, who in both cases are legendary directors, uh, they changed them on the fly, and it became oh shit those changes made them better. Cause I believe that jaws, if you would have gone with the original Spielberg treatment with all of the shark and everything else in it, and you see the shark all the time, that movie would not be the classic it is. And it definitely wouldn't be as Agreed. high on my list. The fact that the, the, they had to go to the ambiguous shark is that, and see the thing is the difference between somebody's going to say, but rich, uh, the, some of those, uh, some of the graphics in that and stuff don't match up to today's standards. I, I know. And you, and you, but you were harder on psycho for it. Well, the difference is, is that, to 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 put the antiquated thing, it still scares the shit out of you going in the ocean. <laughs> Generations are now still yeah. scared if they watch Jaws. Nobody, I, I would I would find it hard to believe if anybody of our generation or even later generations is scared to step in the shower because of Psycho. I'm just right. saying, and, 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 and the problem is is that you go back to our parents' time, like my mom's time, your mom's time, your mom and dad's time, um, and and they were they saw that movie and were terrified to go in the shower. Because oh, yeah. my mom has even told me so. She's like, the first time I saw Psycho, I was a young girl, and fuck. She was like, honestly, I, I, I didn't want to take a shower for like a week. She's like, I did, but I was like peeking out the door. You know, it's like, you know, it, it, it really terrified people. But by the time it hit us, we were like, oh, well, because it's black and white, it doesn't come across as much to us because we've seen worse. You know, we were you know growing- what actually scared me more about being in a shower? What? Actually, when I was younger, it, you know, that, that actually did bother me to a certain degree. You know, there, there was a part of it that kind of got me psychologically. Actually, what got me, and I hadn't even seen it at this point, but Friday the 13th Part 4, where Jason comes in and he crashes through that glass shower and breaks that kid's nose and slams his head through the, oh, yeah. neck through the glass yeah, yeah, yeah. shower. Just seeing that on the back of the package when I was a little kid roaming around in video stores, that actually scared me more than Psycho did. And, of course, Bass so, got... Believe it or not, that's what got me without even having seen it. Bass got ruined by Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah uh but anyways that's that's i think that's my takeaway in in in, in the two just to, i'm just kind of explaining where i'm coming from but psycho still a classic movie let's be honest hitchcock genius shots in those movies i said it last week and the fact that they continued the hitchcock shots in this movie whether it was the exact psycho shots or in, and like i said in a couple different spots in the movie like where he's having the flashback right before the flashback scene where the room is widening and getting longer that's the vertigo shot from vertigo they use yeah. that exact shot to to go into the flashback and i thought that was ingenious because not only does it pay a, a nod to hitchcock but it looked really good as well so i mean and that, that, that right. vertigo shot we see a lot you see it a lot in, in history now because i mean let's be honest a lot of the cinema now cinematography has never been the same since alfred hitchcock we talked about it last week uh, if you talk about bc and ad you can talk about uh b ba or bh whichever you want to use in age because before and after Hitchcock is is a real thing in all of movie because his shots were have right. now become the shots so we see each and every time we tune on a, a turn on a movie or a TV show those are the shots we see before that the shots were kind of bland if you if you remember but it's amazing yeah, they really uh, were. A direct a direct uh, you know guys like Kubrick and stuff took uh, stuff right from Hitchcock and that's really where that right. move came in because Hitchcock started doing this stuff in the 50s and early 60s and so by the late 60s when you have Kubrick taking off with uh, 2001 and all the other stuff he did and guys like Spielberg coming in the 70s etc etc they all took from Hitchcock and it created this wonderful world that we live in now so that's another reason why Psycho has to be so high and that's another reason why Psycho 2 has to also be so high because they took the exact lineage of Hitchcock and it worked out perfect uh, so right and anybody 
anybody that's going to say that Hitchcock is overrated, does not know horror, does not know cinema, needs to keep their mouth I, shut. I was going to say, it's you not know, even horror, man. It's cinema. Like, Hitchcock, it's there cinema. is not a movie yeah. today, there is not a TV show today that you watched that was not inspired by cinematography created by Alfred Hitchcock. There is not, right. a, it's, it just doesn't happen. You, you don't necessarily have to like his work. You don't have to like his movies, which I don't know how you don't. They were great. But even if you don't, I'm going to tell you right now, everything you watch is based off of a Hitchcock shot. Everything. Really because is. before Hitchcock, right. you can watch. Go back in time. If you don't believe me, go look at movies pre-Hitchcock, which is about 1953, I think, is Hitchcock's first film. And even then, he was... Uh, right around there. Even then, he was still shooting a little differently so about 55 56 is when he started shooting the way he shot by psycho he had perfected it and then after psycho you get verdict after directly after psycho you have the birds was directly after i do believe and then then you have uh, i believe so and then and I then you have so. vertigo because vertigo came later it came in mid 60s and vertigo is really vertigo is what, what he started in the birds that overheard bird's eye shot we talk about the reason it's called the bird's right. eye shot is because it was from birds and we use that so much in today's whatever but you look at the color scheming and stuff of the birds and then you look at the perfection of that later on in vertigo and it's amazing and right. then the shots and like i said that vertigo shot is an amazing shot you see it in, if you've seen the if you, if you haven't go look up vertigo shot if you haven't seen it before and i guarantee you've seen it in a ton of things it's yeah. when it's when something widens and gets longer but doesn't move it's the, the the back image is moving back and it looks like the room is getting bigger or or the, the image is moving forward and the room looks like it's getting smaller you see it all the time and it's it's an amazing shot once again it is used in perfection in this movie uh yep. can't say enough good about hitchcock i'm sure we will be talking about him again in the horror zone uh reviews uh because there's so much that we could do for hitchcock but next oh week yeah you know one of the things we've been talking about behind the scenes too uh just internally was doing a, a list of uh top 10 directors horror movie directors Boy, you talk about that. That's going to be probably the the most difficult list that I'll ever come up with, because uh, you know you got Hitchcock, you got Carpenter, you got Craven, you got so many. You know now you got people like Flanagan that are in there, and of course the greatest director of all time, Osgood Perkins. Oh yeah. So uh, you know there's just so many. And, uh, one thing I was making his film, by the way, making the his birds. film, making his film debut in uh, Psycho Two. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Birds was actually his next movie. It was three years later that he did. Vertigo was actually 1958, believe it or not. Oh, it was before. I thought so it was after. It that's was before crazy. that, yeah. Which you, I think that maybe that would have thrown me up because it was in color. Yeah, whereas, that's where it uh, threw it off, too. Psycho was black and white. Yeah. Hmm. So, as, as is The Birds. See, I was but, off. Uh, the birds, wait, The Birds was, was the birds in black and white? The Birds is in color. Oh, that was in color. The Birds is in it color. In that's, color. Why, that's why it threw me off because I was like, The Birds, I knew The Birds came after because of color, but I thought Vertigo because the Vertigo has got way brighter colors. Because the birds has the birds has darker colors. They're uh, the, all the characters yeah. are dressed all the all the characters are dressed in bright colors, but everything else is dark. If you've ever right. if you notice, so all the characters are wearing like bright colors, like oranges and yellows and reds and shit like that. And everything else around them though is dark. The houses are dark. The sky is dark. Yeah, you know, it's it's it, it's a very looming movie. Um, and there's a lot. Of, it's amazing shot. I, I because but the colors of Vertigo. Vertigo is very colorful. So I always thought it was later. Right. But I guess I'm wrong. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think it's probably because it was kind of like you know in the 50s things. You know, color I think was just kind of starting to to get popular at that point. So it kind of had that early. Well, I mean, color it's hard. Movie. It's maybe, hard. Maybe it was colored in pre or in post uh, photography. Well, back I then know. I was gonna say back then everything was colored in post, and that would explain how why it was so bright. 
uh, because right. you got to remember we we've had color for a long time. The Wizard of Oz was shot partially in color. It wasn't shot in color. Sorry, it was black and white. It was post-colored. Same thing was probably what happened right. with Vertigo. Because uh, really, shooting on colored film didn't become a thing until the mid the 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 mid sixties is when it really became a thing to shoot on colored film. Because right. uh, you know, and that's why certain things look good. Because you know, uh, I was saying later in the thing because uh, two thousand one Space Odyssey came out in nineteen sixty eight. 68 because it came out before the moon because uh, it was before so, yeah because yeah. it was it was before the moon landing because that's what that's what people point to that he that's how he got the job from nasa if you believe the people who believe we never went to the moon which i don't but that's how they said kubrick got the job from nasa because they watched 2001 a space odyssey and went oh he can shoot space <laughs> right but uh i don't believe i don't i don't i don't subject that but kubrick was amazing once again though inspired by Hedgecock. So uh, I can't wait to go right. over that list as well as you brought up. But yeah, uh, next week, Psycho 3, check it out before we get there. Uh, and then you can tell us what you think. But tell us what you think about Psycho 2. Uh, t- talk about anything we talked about. Just say hi, whatever. Social media is where we're at. Horrorzone607 on Facebook, at Horrorzone607 on Twitter and Instagram. Hashtag HZ607 to join the conversation. 812Productions.com is the website. Check out the archives. Check out the reviews. Check out uh, what else we have to offer. The Three Fat Nerds and uh, uh, the wrestling show of course friends of the show ultra duro parley hour big shouts out to ken m who does the wrestling show with me on that network so uh that's going to be uh, it's always an awesome time keep everything in house uh last but certainly not least if you'd like to support uh, the podcast monetarily it's as little as a dollar in a month and it does go to support everything we do here at 8122 productions you can do that at patreon.com slash 8122 productions you get a ton of bonus stuff and uh trust me you won't regret it mike take them home all right buddy well thanks for manning studio c all by yourself this week. Hopefully next week we have the professor back and his, uh, his little brain boo-boo goes away. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll definitely want to hear what he, uh, you know, has to say about his adventures from this week here, uh, next week when we, when we get there. But, uh, but next week, uh, we'll, you know, as we, we mentioned, uh, you know, we'll obviously be talking about cycle three. So tune in to, to, uh, to hear what we have to say about that. Uh, also tune in to see where I am next week. This is kind of where my underground bunker is. What state, what country, maybe I'm not even going to be in this country. You know, maybe I'll be in Brazil next next week. Brazil? You never know where I'm going to turn up. It's possible. It's possible. So, uh, so yeah, find out where I am next week. You know where I would and like you to tur- find out. Hey, you know where I would like what, you to turn up. I think you need to turn up in the Kokomo. You can take it fast or take it slow. Yeah, that's where you want to go. Right down you to know, Kokomo. It's it's funny that you should say that because when that song came out, I was about ten years old. And uh, my mother and uh, my aunt used to call me Micamo from Kokomo, so um, that they still call me that when they hear that song. So uh, <laughs> you never know. Uh, that's great. You never know. I may turn up in Kokomo. That, that's where you want to go. So uh, that is where I want to go. Way down in Kokomo. Yeah. <laughs> Feed on that for the next week. Feed on that. Think about that and get back to us next week and let us know what you think of that too. So, uh, of course, we'll have the biggest uh, horror movie news, and uh, who knows what else we'll be talking about. So tune in next week, hear what we have to say about all those things. But until then, I'm Mike C. Say it. See ya.